The National Archives podcast series, Business Archives, New Initiatives and Developments, presented by Alex Ritchie. Let's get down to some business. On the 16th of March 2012, Marks and Spencer, the legendary British retailer, unveiled its new archive facility on the campus of Leeds University. The state-of-the-art building includes the Marks in Time exhibition, which chronicles the development of the business from its humble origins as a Leeds market stall in 1884. It also houses 70,000 items in the archives, which are kept in an environmentally controlled strongroom and produced for use in a well-appointed reading room. It was my privilege to be there as the ribbon-cutting ceremony was performed by Dame Stella Remington, who trained as an archivist on her way to becoming head of Britain's security service, MI5. We hope that this development marks a watershed in an ongoing process whereby top companies recognise the value of their archives and invest in a similar manner to Marks and Spencer. In my talk today, we shall look at current developments in the world of business archives and seek to set them within an overall context. The battle to establish the value of business archives has been a long one. The outcome is still far from decided. But we have grounds to believe that, even in the depths of a recession, the tide of battle has turned in our favour. There will be more evidence of this later, but first let us consider a little history. Since 1934, the cause of business archives has had a champion in the form of the Business Archives Council, BAC. A Scottish counterpart, the Business Archives Council of Scotland, was set up in 1960. The two bodies have done excellent work down the years, drawing on a constituency of supporters that includes historians, archivists, librarians, and members of the business community itself. Uh, one thinks particularly of Sam Twining and the BAC of, uh, of Twining's Tea. In particular, the Council has been behind a series of guides to the archives of specific business sectors, including banking, brewing, shipbuilding and pharmaceuticals. In addition, individual surveys of many businesses were compiled, and these may still be found scattered through the paper catalogues in the National Register of Archives. But while the Business Archives Council made progress with advocacy and survey work, certain weaknesses remained, and still remain to this day, that have retarded progress in the business archives sector. In past years, those companies who made arrangements um, for what was described as access to their archives on a quasi-formal basis were listed in various editions of the published Directory of Corporate Archives, which was produced by the Business Archives Council. The last edition of 1997 included 88 businesses. Nowadays, that function is undertaken by Archon, the online directory of, Archon of archive repositories hosted by the National Archives. This currently lists 
78 companies and other bodies that might be described as maintaining corporate archives. So that sounds as if corporate archives have been in decline, which is not necessarily the case. There are problems of definition. For example, is a university press a business or a university department? So it's hard to come up with a definitive list of business archives and a solid number. So we must be content with an approximation. Uh, and as I've put on the slide, it's about 80. Also, uh, we know that significant gaps remain in our knowledge. Even when we do know about the existence of corporate archives, we often lack detailed knowledge of the records that they hold. Business archives lie outside the normal reporting processes by which the National Register of Archives, and in particular its business index, is constantly updated. That is not to deny that progress has been made. New businesses have been added to Archon, including the first overseas business archive, that of the Swiss pharmaceutical giant F. Hoffmann Laroche in Basel. We must also recognise that business archives are subject to the overall fortunes of the company of which they are part. They are not immune to the processes of creative destruction to which free enterprise capitalism is prone. There has been, for example, a particular loss through consolidation of insurance archives in recent years. And when I say that, I really mean corporate archives, not the archives themselves, which tend to have gone elsewhere or been deposited. Um, and now there's the number of insurers that keep archives amount to Prudential, Aviva and Standard Life. Last year also saw the loss of archive operations within retailers Aquascutum and WH Smith. But this was counterbalanced by new listings such as the architectural practice Foster and Partners and the Schroeder Archive. While the name Cadbury has disappeared from Archon, the Bourneville Archive still exists, only now under the banner of Kraft Foods. So our attempts to define and describe the world of corporate archives continue, but it's much more of a moving target than, say, local authority archives. Given that the archive sector as a whole is not large, corporate archives are estimated to form only 3% of it. So you can see the, difficult the difficulty corporate archives have had in the past in making their voice heard. We should perhaps note here that corporate archives tend to be strong in about three sectors, banking, retail and beverages but either weak or non-existent in other sectors. One must also remember that not all businesses with archivists are members of the Business Archives Council, nor do they necessarily participate in the activities of the wider archive sector. It is frustrating, as we often know about businesses with archivists in post, but who choose not to engage with anyone outside their own company. There is no obligation on any business archivist to declare themselves to the wider world. But it seems strange to court anonymity when they can often be unmasked by the use of Google, the word archivist, and the company name. I suggest you try that at home. The situation in the UK may be contrasted with that in Germany, where membership of the Association of German Business Archivists 
is almost total and more evenly spread between the business sectors than is the case in the UK. This gives the German corporate archive sector a solidity and strength which is arguably lacking in Britain. One should also be aware that the professionalisation of archivists has been less marked in the corporate world. There are still many instances where an interested employee, generally of long service within the company, bears the title of archivist as a courtesy, but operates outside any professional network and with limited awareness of the wider archive sector. However, I would concede this, that they can still produce remarkable results. Consider the Butlins archive at Bogner, which provided so much material for their 75th anniversary celebrations and was recently exploited for television. It is an archive that relies heavily on the enthusiasm and knowledge of former Redcoat Roger Billington, who goes into the archive one morning a week. British Airways maintain a remarkable operation in the Heritage Centre at their Waterside headquarters, staffed largely by tremendously knowledgeable and highly motivated volunteers. So there remains a model whereby volunteer staff housed either in spare space or redundant buildings, deliver excellent results. But in the longer term, one would want to see better funding, more use of professional archivists, and the provision of purpose-built archive accommodation. The development of the corporate archive sector was, for many years, entirely random, and often a positive step forward was matched by the closure of a corporate archive and the dispersal of its collection, as in the case of the Whitbread Brewing Archive in 2001. What was needed, it was felt, was that the issues faced by business archives had to be defined and addressed in a national strategy formulated and implemented by a wide coalition of interested bodies. Starting in, 19, in uh, 2004, there followed five years of discussion research and consultation, including many bodies, but principally the National Archives, the Business Archives Council, and the Archives and Records Association. Much of the work in the later stages was carried out by Katie Logan, an experienced business archivist and consultant. This culminated in the launch, in the summer of 2009, of the National Strategy for Business Archives, England and Wales, at a parliamentary reception in London. The launch was attended by a wide range of business and archival representatives. Speakers included Sir Mervyn King, Governor of the Bank of England, Sir Stuart Rose, Chairman of Marks and Spencer, and Dame Stella Remington, who, lest we forget, trained as an archivist on her way to becoming head of Britain's security service, MI5. The launch coincided with the Managing Business Archives website going live and with the production of the corporate memory brochure, copies of which are available here today. And you've either got one in your hand or you're still sitting on it. In January 2011, a parallel national strategy for business archives in Scotland was launched at a reception in Edinburgh, 
And since that time, there has been close cooperation between the implementation groups of the two strategies. The two strategies share four strategic goals. To raise awareness among businesses of the value of their archives and to give guidance and support. To increase the number of corporate sector business archives and of business collections in public repositories. To raise the public profile of business archives and promote wider usage. And to raise standards in the care of business archives. Uh, it was my, originally my intention to consider progress under each of these headings. In practice, this threatened to introduce artificial divisions, but I would ask you to bear them in mind uh, as we look at the progress that has been made since the strategies were launched. First, let us look at the most visible result of the strategy, the Managing Business Archives website. The website contains a range of information to help businesses manage their archive collections. It is aimed at company personnel with no prior knowledge or expertise in archive management, as well as more experienced practitioners. The site includes the following. A news section highlighting upcoming events and the launch, for example, of a £5 million pound exhibition by JC, JCB, uh, the digger manufacturers. It also includes case studies uh, of the use of business archives, showing how heritage material can be used to meet a company's present needs or to drive and inspire new product development. There is also a table of companies with professionally managed archives, which offers a more extensive description of the resources and services they maintain than can be found uh, only on their Archon entry. There's also a diary of business archive events. This is such an obvious innovation, given that people who are interested in one event might also be interested in others of a similar nature. It indicates the overall sh shape of the business archives years. For example, it tells you that the Business Archives Council will be having its annual uh, conference in November. Uh, and that the banking historians are usually have a get-together somewhere uh, in May or June. So it tells you those things, whilst at the same time it draws attention to new or one-off events, such as the recent one-day um, conference in Worcester on Kay's catalogues, or, or the workshop on business records held by Swansea University in January, or the approaching seminar organised by the International Council on Archives, Section on Business and Labour, uh, which will be in Copenhagen, titled With Constant Care, the Business Archives, the Business Archivist in the 21st Century. The website also carries a range of other links and professional information. Now that it exists, it's hard to imagine a time when it did not. As the Business Archives strategy was being formulated, <clears throat> nobody could have imagined that the issue of business failure would be proved to be quite would prove to be quite so crucial. The credit crunch and the collapse of Woolworths threw a dark shadow over new business over businesses and made it clear that whether you were a bank or a retailer, nobody was too big to fail. Some might be too big to be allowed to fail, but nobody was too big to fail. And this gave special point to the creation of a crisis response team 
who would form a first line of defence for business records in the event of administrations, liquidations and takeovers. That team has now evolved to become a seven-person group covering the whole of the UK. The group keeps in touch by email and gathers intelligence and coordinates action when business records are seen to be at risk. Swift intervention has ensured that administrators are aware of the wider interest that attaches to these assets and that advice and practical help about options for deposit is on offer. The team has dealt with around 30 cases, some uh, such as Lewis's department store in Liverpool or the upmarket builders Holloway White Alum have resulted in deposit of the records. Others remain unresolved and may be revisited by the team. In some cases, administration has proved to be a short-lived experience, resulting in the rapid restoration of a business to the status of a going concern and the consequent evaporation of the threat to business records. A good example of the latter would be the recent rescue of the Cardiff-based clothing retailer Peacocks by the Edinburgh Woolen Mill. The work of the crisis response team is closely related to the advisory service offered to businesses and other private users by the staff at the National Archives. And a typical recent case would be that of the artist material manufacturer Windsor & Newson, who were due to close their premises in Wealdstone at the end of 2011. I went out to visit them and we discussed the records and, and their wishes for them. And in the end, our advice was for them to be deposited with the Hamilton Kerr Institute in Cambridge, with whom the company already had a relationship. The Hamilton Kerr Institute, with its particular interest in fine art conservation, is already home to a similar collection, that of Charles Roberson and Company, paint manufacturers and artist colourmen. And that outcome illustrates another truth that while we encourage companies to look after their own archives, there will always be circumstances where this is no longer appropriate or even possible. At such times, the network of national, local and university repositories provide a safety net against loss and a potential home that is appropriate, given the nature of the business and its records. I think the best indicator of the health of the corporate archive sector is that businesses are prepared to make significant investment in their archives. We have already mentioned the new Marks and Spencer archive at Leeds, but it's not an isolated occurrence. HSBC have recently opened an impressive new facility in London. And by way of slight contrast, Clark Shoes through the Alfred Gillett Trust, which manages their heritage collections, are putting one and a half million into modern purpose-built accommodation for their heritage collections. The John Lewis Partnership has plans to establish a new archive at Cookham, which will also bring the Cummersdale textile collection together with the main archive. Selfridges, also have plans to establish an archive facility in their flagship London store, though it is not clear what shape this will take. Unilever and the BT archives are two further business archives that have received national and international recognition for the importance of their holdings and the quality of their care.
This all contributes to a state of affairs where we hope to see the phenomenon of emulation among businesses. We want them to ask themselves the question, why aren't we doing something with our archives when they see what is possible elsewhere? Of course, while we talk about the corporate archive sector as if we knew it inside out, the fact remains that there are still large areas of British business and industry whose records remain uncharted. With that in mind, the National Archives and the Business Archives Council launched a new partnership to investigate the surviving records of the architecture, building and construction sectors. And, and that's how it became known as the ABC survey. A resource discovery officer, Annabel Peacock, was recruited and started work in September 2011. The project focuses on those companies in the sector whose records have been neither surveyed nor deposited, which is to say, most of them. The object will be to establish the nature and location of the records they hold, and the information gathered will be added to the National Register of Archives. In the early stages, it has proved difficult to break into the sector and to get the cooperation we require. But we have recently received help from the Keir Building Group, Arup, the consulting engineers, and we shall be visiting the Waits Group next week. So we have recruited some significant companies in the industry who have promised to help us promote the survey within the construction sector. And now we're beginning to see results on an almost daily basis. We've also made progress with the architectural side of the survey. We've also made progress with the architectural side of the survey and the archivist at Foster and Partners has been particularly helpful. While the survey is limited to England and Wales, um, there is scope to s extend the project to Scotland through cooperation with Scottish partners, though how that's going to happen is still a matter for discussion. So let me summarise the present state of business archives in the UK. First, we have strategies in place for business archives in both England and Wales and Scotland. That in itself is important. Issues that have been discussed randomly in the past uh, and then in response to su a sudden crisis have now been exactly defined and consistently addressed. The number of people with an interest in business archives and history is modest and they've often existed in separate groupings. Now they have something that binds their interests together and gives their views greater weight. Those strategies have been the subject of considerable international interest and I have spoken about them at conferences in Finland, France and Japan. The, the Japanese in particular are keen to adopt this idea of partnership between corporate archives and national archives which the UK has pioneered. Uh, secondly, we have a best practice website visited by over 3,000 individual users in 2011 which reports news, lists events, offers case studies for the use of business archives and carries generic advice on the care and management of business archives. Third, we have a crisis management team with a comprehensive geographical spread which can act in the event of company administrations, liquidations and takeovers to raise concern over the fate of business archives.
Challenges remain in this area and we are still seeking a proper dialogue with insolvency practitioners. Although the team is a useful innovation, the goal remains the education and routine cooperation of administrators and liquidators in crisis situations. From time to time this is forthcoming, uh, but at other times it's absent altogether and what we'd like to see is a much more consistent response from them. Fourth, um, we are witnessing an unprecedented level of investment by businesses in the care and accommodation of their archives. In spite of a challenging economic climate, businesses are more likely to establish or enhance their archives rather than to consider closure and disposal as a cost-saving measure. That's not absolute, but that is the tendency that we identify. It would be optimistic to believe that we will manage to preserve indefinitely all the corporate archives that exist at present. It is not in the nature of business for that to happen. However, there has been a shift in sentiment. In particular, businesses are increasingly recognising their archives as a resource to exploit rather than as a cost to bear. Fifthly, we have revived business archive survey work through the ABC project. In this sector, at least, we're not reacting to events, but taking the initiative as we seek to establish the nature and location of the historic records that chronicle our built environment. Advice and the encouragement of best practice in record keeping come as part of that package. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, concludes our tour of current initiatives and developments in the world of business archives. This event was recorded live on the 22nd of March 2012 at the National Archives, Kew. This podcast is copyright to the National Archives. All rights reserved. <laughs>